Hey everyone, this is David Chen, and I'm here today with Jeff Kanata. And we're here recording a podcast episode today about dreams. Ooh. So, Jeff Kanata, I, I wanted to talk with you about dreams because I've been thinking about this a lot. Right now, as we're recording this, it's August 20, uh, I'm sorry, August 19th, 2014. And in about seven days, I am going to be uh, submitting my very first film to the Sundance Film Festival. Uh, now, uh, the probability that our film will get into the Sundance Film Festival statistically is about 1.6%. Hmm. Uh, that's just based on like last year, all the, or uh, I think that's a 2012 number, all the films that were entered and uh, compared to like how many films got in. But that's not representative of the actual That probability. does not account for, for instance, quality of right. the film. And also that includes... Any of the criteria on which the film is judged. <laughs> and also, uh, I believe that number includes short films as well, uh, which, like, there's, like, a ton more short films that get entered every year as opposed to, um, as opposed to feature-length films. Right. Uh, so that kind of skews the statistics as well. But it occurred to me, Jeff, that, uh, like... This is a movie I made. It took many, many hours of my life, hundreds of hours uh, over the last eight months. And uh, that being said, despite how much work it has taken, uh, it is it still uh, has not taken like that much of my life. I didn't work on the film full time for months and months and months, as most directors do. Um, because of Kickstarter, I was able to do the film with uh, little like financial risk on myself. Now that being said, I have not. Neither Stephen nor I have actually been paid anything for the movie yet, even though we put in <laughs> hundreds of hours into the project. But what I mean is, um, you know, uh, and I have actually put in my own money into the movie as well. But like, uh, I didn't have to put enough of the movie, uh, enough of money into the movie to actually risk, you know, any part of my livelihood. Uh, mm-hmm. It wasn't right. like, oh, this is my kid's college fund that I'm putting into the movie or anything like that. Right. You're skating on this one. I get it. Uh, right. I'm just coasting, you know, on mm-hmm. the goodwill of others. No. Um, but uh, I'm so grateful to all of our listeners and, and the Kickstarter backers who helped make this movie a reality for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it, this is a movie that from start to end was from the launch of the Kickstarter to when we are shipping the the movie off to Sundance on a Region Zero Blu-ray. Uh, it is about six months, six to seven months, um, and you know that's insane for or a lot of people. Now, granted, we it's a concert f- film slash documentary like hybrid of sorts, uh, so we didn't have a conventional uh, shooting schedule. We didn't have conventional sets or anything, uh, but it was ultimately like a very very short time period in which to accomplish something of this magnitude. Uh, but all that being said, Jeff. You know, I think of all the people who I look up to, uh, all the people who I admire, all the filmmakers uh, uh, who I really respect deeply, uh, and all of them have risked, like, everything to accomplish what they have done. Uh, all of they, them? They, well, most of them, which is to say, like, they've gambled their lives. They, at the very least, when you're making a film... Uh, a lot of times you're you're working on it full time for six to twelve months, possibly longer, and um, you know, it, it, and you might do other things on the side to like you know maintain your life. But but a lot of people like devote a, a significant portion of their lives full time to to filmmaking, um, and 
are able to accomplish great things this way. You know, we were talking about uh, on the Slash Filmcast this week about this movie called Blue Ruin and how the guy who made that movie, they, they emptied their retirement accounts to make that film. I was just mm-hmm. speaking with another uh, producer this week who made a very uh, well-regarded short film, and apparently the creators of that film, they also emptied their retirement accounts to, to st- you know, stake their livelihoods on, on this movie that they made, uh, which had a very good festival run. And it just occurred to me that, that I, I had this thought in my head that in order to accomplish something truly great, truly insane, truly like... On the scale of Hodorowski's Dune, as it were, which is a movie, which is a movie I know you weren't a huge fan of, but still, um, that there needs to be some kind of willingness to stake it all on something, like to stake a substantial part of your life that that like a part of your life that would make other parts inconvenient uh, in order to to achieve something that is of of worth and uh, and of lasting value. And I was wondering what you felt about that because you're someone who, you know, you are an aspiring actor and uh, you've probably given up a lot to pursue that dream. Um, and along the way, you've made a lot of amazing friends and accomplished a lot of great stuff and made a lot of great content. Um, I, I guess, how do you feel about, you know, pursuing something like that, pursuing something in the arts that has no assurance of success? Well, as you said, this is something I have thought about in my life quite a lot as well. I think you're framing it backwards. Tell me why. That's why I'm talking to you because I want to know why I'm wrong about this, if at all. I think the the defining characteristic that you're really talking about is a group of people who are passionate enough about whatever it is they want to do that there is no way they can not do that thing. And people make it work, make it happen in a wide variety of ways – they make it happen in, in very conservative ways where, uh, for example, um, the um, author of the Harry Potter novels. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. Uh, we know the famous story of her taking care of her kids, working, and then you know waking up two hours early every day and writing Harry Potter. Uh, there are – Well, I didn't know it, but now I do. Did you not? <laughs> really? No, I didn't know. Oh, it's, uh, it's yeah. fairly famous, but she, you know, she was a single mom and she would uh, – wake up early and, and work on her novel and then go to work uh, and take care of her children and be a responsible person and lead a normal life. But she was passionate enough about being a writer that she made time for it. And I think as for every example that you wish to bring up about somebody uh, wagering it all, I could counter with an example of somebody doing it in a different way but being equally as inevitable in their lives. It's, it's equally as – it's not something you can avoid and I think that is the defining characteristic of – I don't want to use the word artists <clears throat> because I think that brings a lot of baggage. But people – creative people who can't not be creative. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I was contemplating a life in, in the creative field is do anything else and if you can't – you're in the right place. If, you, if, if there's something inside you that won't let you not do this, then you're doing the right thing. And that doesn't mean you can't have a job. It doesn't mean you can't be a responsible person. It doesn't mean you need to have 
financial debt or psychological problems or whatever or, or uh, substance abuse problems. A lot of people equate creativity with recklessness and I don't think they go hand in hand. I think that you can be very much together and, and um, – have a have a, have a responsible. There's plenty of people who are responsible and um, don't have to wager their lives in order to be creative and have creative output. Now that being said, I'm not, you know, I'm not as successful as some people who have wagered it all. And perhaps if I had uh, put more eggs into one basket, that basket would have borne fruit faster for me. I don't know. I think you're um, mixing metaphors there, but okay. I, I understand uh, what you're saying. You know, it's a fruit basket. I put eggs <laughs> in a fruit, fruit basket. It's a fruit basket and it grows? Um, yeah, it grows eggs. <laughs> I, don't know how, I don't know if you know how eggs work. I don't, obviously. Uh, they, grow, they grow from, from fruit seeds. Did it's, you know that chickens lay eggs every day, even regardless <laughs> of uh, whether they have you know, little chickens inside them? Yeah. It's kind of messed up. A lot of facts. Anyway... <laughs> uh, Okay, that's good perspective. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how uh, how do you feel about your own journey? If I may ask you to be introspective for a bit. Well, you've hit me at a very interesting time in my life. You know, here I am on the eve, so to speak, of my wedding. Uh, I'm getting married in less than a month now. Um, ready to step into a new part of my life where I'm responsible for more than just my own well-being. I'm taking a solemn oath to be a partner in a life. And I'm very fortunate that my, the partner that I have chosen is supportive of, of me uh, creatively. Um, but I definitely think about it a lot and worry that I will not be able to be as financially solvent as she deserves uh, and that I am only fooling myself as my age progresses and and wild success does not necessarily follow that uh, you know that I'm going to reach an age where I'm no longer able to do these dream things, and I have to have a real job in order to have a family and be responsible. And I put myself in a position that that is much more difficult or or impossible. And uh, it's something that I'm de- deathly afraid of, to be quite honest with you, because I love her so much, and I don't want to be a problem in that area, but. Uh, I also am one of those people that can't imagine not doing this kind of thing with my life. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's 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 a tough thing, and I think you're honestly doing it in a in a very smart way. I think you uh, you are a very smart guy, and I've I've watched you be creative and and manage a very uh, responsible, successful career with your creative endeavors, and I'm I'm I admire it. I'm I'm not. I'm not being I'm not blowing smoke. I, I appreciate do. that. Uh, you know, I was actually thinking about uh, your aspirations the other day, Jeff, um, which is what I do in my free time when I'm like lying awake in bed at night. I think I'm glad about, somebody is thinking I, about I me. think about Jeff's dreams. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you know who came to mind? Stephen Lang. You know who that is? I do. Yeah, he yeah. was on Wings, right? He's an actor. Uh, wait. Oh, no, what? I'm not thinking of. No, I think you're thinking Stephen of uh, Stephen Weber. I am thinking of Stephen Weber. Who's Stephen Lang? Uh, Stephen uh, Stephen Lang is a character actor uh, who has been acting in films since the eighties. And uh, oh yeah, he's in uh, Avatar. He's right? in Avatar, right? Yeah. He's in Avatar, and his first movie credit is nineteen eighty one, a TV movie called "We're Fighting Back." Avatar came out in uh, two thousand and what was it? Uh, 
2009, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's like, you know, decades, decades uh, of uh, no one, uh, from, from my perspective, very few people knew who Stephen Lang was before Avatar. And even now, some people still have trouble recognizing him. But it took him decades of work, like, essentially behind the scenes as a character actor before he hit it big with, like, a major role that was seen by millions and millions of people all around the world. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it just, it, it occurred to me that sometimes it just takes that long. You know, I know you've been uh, going at this for quite some time. Um, yeah. But uh, sometimes it just takes that long. I guess I, uh, so. D- well, but- a friend of mine once said something that has haunted me <laughs> for, okay. for years. And that is there's a fine line between confidence and self-delusion. And, and I never know quite which side of that line I'm on. And that's the big fear is that you're on the wrong side of that line. That there's the guy that just stuck it out and they say tenacity and persistence win the day. And then there's the other guys that stick it out and uh, die in a heap, destitute and lonely and sad. <laughs> and you don't want to be the, the latter. You want to be the former. But you don't ever quite know, do you? Right. I mean, as Ryan Gosling put it, uh, there's – I think he said everyone has the same dream and they don't know if it's a premonition or a delusion. Right. Yeah, I remember that um, Gene Siskel had a, had a theory he used to, to purport on his show uh, over and over. He, he always said that people who uh, are megastars always knew it. Always, they, always, they always knew they were going to be. And I think that's like, well, yeah, because everybody thinks they're going to be and then – the, pe- only, the only people you talk to are the ones that turned out to be true. <laughs> yeah. You, you know? don't interview lots of people that don't make it there. Right. So, but everyone thinks that they're going to be you have to have that confidence in order to keep doing the ridiculous, stupid, demeaning, sad, depressing things that are required to get there. Well, one thing uh, uh, that – I mean in, in the movie that we're making with Steven, you know, uh, he talks about – being an actor and Steven Tobolowsky has, be, has worked with literally the best directors alive on the planet today. And some talking, dead as well. Yeah. Christopher Nolan, Ridley Scott. Um, he's worked with everyone you can think of that is worth half a damn. Like he has worked with them. Um, so anyway, uh, in the movie, he talks about the fact, despite the fact that he's worked for decades, he still has to audition, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked about uh, recently in Californication, there's a scene where he is performing oral sex on Pam Adlon. And in reality, like, you, you don't, you're not actually performing oral sex. There's no, there needs to be something separating the two of you. So, uh. And that thing? It was shame. Was a, it was a stay-free maxi pad, actually. Really? And he said oh how God. he had his face buried in a stay-free maxi pad for five hours. Wow. Um, and, you know, that's just the thing. Sometimes you have to do these things in order to achieve the quote-unquote greatness that uh, comes with being a really well-regarded, well-respected, well-known actor. Yeah. Uh, I guess I just have a lot of anxiety, Jeff. You know, As do um, I, sir. <laughs> As do I. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as we're about to go through this, we're about to submit this film to this festival, and um, the likelihood that we'll get in is incredibly low. Uh, And 
There's other festivals after that. There's other festivals that actually like have already expressed interest in showing the film. So it does seem like the film will have some festival life. But um, well, let me ask you this question. Yep. What's the worst that could happen? I mean, what, what is what is your anxiety centered around? What are you afraid of? Um. There's no real worst case scenario. I think the. Uh, the, the, the anxiety comes from this idea of, okay, here is, so, so we had Megan Griffiths on the podcast recently, right? Right. And Megan is someone who I... She was on Wings, right? <laughs> I uh, respect her so much um, and am such a big fan of hers. And uh, she has given me lots of really great advice on how to handle the film. Uh, and made suggestions on how to improve the film. And one of the things that she said that has really stuck with me is um, let's say the, or, or, you know, to answer your question, Jeff, I guess the short way of answering your question is uh, I'm really terrified of not getting into these festivals because on some level I did think to myself, this, I have thought to myself, like this might be the only movie I, I ever make. Like at times throughout this process, it has occurred to me like this might be the only movie I ever make in my whole life. Well, let and me ask you this. I, I, I want to. Wait, hold on. Let me just finish my thought, and then okay. and then you can ask me your question. Um, and but here's the thing: the only thing worse than not getting into like a, a, a solid festival is, um, is is getting into one. And, and by that, I <laughs> yeah. mean yeah, I know. What you um, mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that it's, I, it's I, own pressures, right? Something that Megan said, and actually, um, uh, one of her colleagues has also explained to me uh, is that like the one thing you you want to have is a clear idea of what your next project is going to be when you go to a festival. Mm. Uh, and I have a bunch of ideas for for projects. It's not like I'm completely devoid of anything, um, but you know, it has to, like when you go to a festival, you've been. Have you been to film festival, Jeff? Yes. Before? Mm-hmm. Um, which film festival, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, South by Southwest. Right, right, right. right. So at the Q&As, everyone always asks, what is your next project, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever recall a time when a director has said, nothing. I'm not doing anything. I'm going back to my old life. <laughs> right. And just forget, leaving this all behind, guys. See you later. Um, and so it has occurred to me that like, if, if things do go well, um, which I'm not counting on at all but is should they go well that it would uh be uh a wise move to have the next project and um you know and and a next project if i were to have one like and it was not going to be a concert film it would probably need to be more ambitious than the film i already made and so i've been doing a lot of thinking about what is the next film going to be and how ambitious is it going to be and what's it going to involve how much how much money is it going to take to finance? What crew am I going to need? How am I going to shoot it? You know, I've been thinking of all these things and thinking about how you know, a lot of people who are successful were only successful because they poured all their 401k into a movie or put all their life savings into a movie or did some nutty stuff. And uh, I'm wondering if like, I can expect to be successful without doing any of those things. So well, I have, gonna, I have many you. thoughts. I have many. Tell thoughts. me your thoughts. Uh, the first one I'll say is the last one I thought, which is you know we we're here in the in the in the shadow of losing um, Robin Williams, and I always remember hearing as a young actor hearing the famous story of how Robin Williams got the role of Mork, 
I don't know if you've heard this story. It's very tell famous. It, tell it. It may be apocryphal at this point, but the lore, the legend goes, he went into the audition for Mork and did the entire thing standing on his head. He did a headstand and did the entire audition upside down, standing on his head. Now, and that impressed them. They thought, this is a guy who's thinking outside the box. It's bizarre. It's weird. We haven't seen anything like it. Here's this alien character who's supposed to be bizarre and weird. This is perfect. We found our mark, right? And too often, what actors take from that anecdote is, I got to go in there and stand on my head or the equivalent of standing on my head. I got to go in there and do something so zany and off the wall that I get noticed. And that is the exact wrong thing to take from that story. What the ex- or another more modern version of that story is, um, it, you know, is uh, the usual suspects and um, uh, the character of Mumbles, you know, uh, I think you're thinking of Fenster, actually. Fenster, yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with my... My, my brain isn't working. Did you really think his name was Mumbles? Uh, he mumbles through his whole Cor- fucking thing. Cor- correct. The point I'm trying to make... <laughs> the, the point I'm trying to make mumbles. is that he mumbles through his whole fucking thing. We should thing. just have people... You should just name people what they actually sound like yeah. in the film. Yeah, there's a uh, Talky Cleary guy and uh, <laughs> and talk, a lot. Talky Loudly guy and Funny Guy. <laughs> and uh, uh, Kevin, Paul, Kevin Pollock, who played Funny Guy in the yeah. movie. Uh, no, I'm sure. <laughs> I was on such a roll there. You anyway, were good. You're doing good. Fenster, you know, <laughs> whatever. I'll skip. It doesn't matter. The, the, it, it's illustrated by Robin Williams. Point is, it's not – don't focus on the people did crazy shit which made them be successful. That's not – that's a symptom. That's a byproduct. That's not the point of the story and it's not the point of, of – what they're trying to do. It, it, it didn't empower them. You know, Ernest Hemingway's drinking didn't empower him as a writer. So many novelists go, I want to be Ernest Hemingway, so I gotta have a I gotta drink myself into oblivion. No. That's that's not the secret sauce. The secret sauce is wanting to do it, having a clear vision, being educated about how to do it, and executing. All of which you've done and you have created – as somebody who has seen the, vi- the film, you've created a fantastic film. Do you think it's a fantastic film? I do. I do. Then I, you well, have I, already I, succeeded and, <laughs> and I, I know it's a trite and it's, it's cliched and, and, it, and I don't mean it as a platitude. But that's the goal. That's the – getting in or not getting into a film festival doesn't change how good a movie you made, right? And – Yes, you should have your next project, but you're thinking about all the right things you need to be thinking about. You're thinking about all these details of how to make that happen. And what you should be thinking about most isn't how do I answer the question when it's posed to me. <laughs> it's what do I want to do? Right. What story do I want to tell, basically? Or what, what career do I want to make for myself? Right. You know? And that's right. definitely something that I've had a difficult time with in my, in my life because I want to do everything. And I have a hard time focusing on one thing, I think I'd be far more successful if I just honed in on what made me marketable and tried to sell that to the best of my ability rather than trying to do all kinds of different things, trying to, you know, do Shakespeare and do comedy and do podcasting and do commentary and hosting and do, you know, I I have a problem with the fact that I like a whole lot of different things. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I am the same way. 
So it's tough. It's tough. Um, it's tough to because because what is it um, that uh, uh, some people say that focus skill. It's not about what you do. It's about what you choose not to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you said you had many thoughts on what I said. Was that was that? Well, all those were. I think those were many. Some of them flawed. A few of them <laughs> wrong-minded, wrong-headed. <laughs> a, a few of them with malpropisms. Yes, um, uh, no doubt. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I for for my for my part, as much of a trite statement as it is you if you if you feel like you made the movie you wanted to make you've that's that's well i wouldn't go that far i wouldn't go that far i mean every movie is always a series of compromises i mean that's something i've definitely learned is is and i would say the movie we have today is certainly not the movie that um i thought we would be making when i started this whole enterprise um yeah, originally we I wanted it to be more of a hybrid um documentary style like um, following Steven around in his life. Kind of um Yeah, I I mean it was going to be a mix of a lot of different things. Um like like sort of old media footage recreation. No, um yeah, yeah, like maybe like recreation, maybe um Steven telling the stories to the camera like you and you are mm. the audience, right? And mm. um uh, and a bunch of other, we had a bunch of other ideas about like what to incorporate into the movie. Have you seen uh, the stories we tell? I have, I have, and, and that was actually something that we had considered too, some, like mm. something more that style. So, yeah. I mean, the movie is more, um, the movie is is very much like a fa- fairly straight like uh, doc- uh, concert film documentary of sorts, right? Like it's very, it's pretty. It's 99% a concert film, and I think it looks like a good concert film, but it's not what we intended to make. Like, it's not, we didn't have a clear vision that that was what it was going to be when we started out. And that's often how, like, a lot of documentaries go. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to make sure, like, that <laughs> to, to correct you and say, like, that's not necessarily like, oh, this is what I wanted to achieve, and I achieved it, you know? Um, right. So. No, that's a fair point. I, I just, uh, I feel like, the the thing that you created is is really the goal right i mean i guess it, it it you want to build a career and you want that thing to to lead to other things and you want to have find success and have people appreciate it and see it and get into the places where people appreciate things and see them the most and i certainly understand all that but yeah i mean i think the the primary goal for the film at this point for me is that people a that as many people as possible see it like none of us were doing this for the money like we're not i don't think we're we're, i don't think we're gonna be rich off this let's put it that way i don't even know if we're gonna break even off this like in terms of what we spend in terms of time uh on the film uh and you know the primary goal was never money it was like that people see it that they're touched by it moved affected um that would be great you know, like that, that would be, that would, that's like goal number one. Goal number two is that this uh, enables me to make the next thing. That's goal number two. Uh, so those are the kind of two goals right now. And, and kind of like, I feel like right now at this moment that we're recording this, before I've even submitted the film to Sundance, um, this is, the, the world of possibility is open before me right now. And 
those the doors of open possibility they're going to start shutting right quick man like um if the film doesn't get into sundance if it's not get doesn't get picked up by a distributor like those doors will start closing um and at the end of the day we still have thousands of people who listen to the slash filmcast and who listen to the Tobolowsky files who probably be interested in checking it out and for that i'm so grateful um but you know, it's con- this is conceivably a situation where a year from today, no festivals have, or that's not true because some festivals have already invited us, but, you know, very few festivals have accepted us and so many movies, Jeff, show up at a festival and are never heard from again, you know? Like, yeah. Uh, and this could be one of those films. Like, even if we are, if we, if we do get into a few festivals, we could get in and, and, um, and we're never heard from again. Alternatively... Uh, we could get in and people could see that we've created something unique uh, that is unlike a lot of other films, a lot of other concert films even out there today, mm-hmm. and uh, and embrace it. And, you know, I could see think pieces being written up in a bunch of publications about a film like this. Um, so, you know, like right now, all of that's possible. Like it's possible that it's all like nothing will happen or it's possible that everything could happen. Uh, and well, so I just I, have I have a lot of anxiety about it, and and just thinking about it, and what's next, and and so that's why I wanted to uh, record this little podcast here because we can preserve we can preserve in in audio amber this moment in time um, before is, it all went down. This is the Schrodinger's cat of of <laughs> of movie making of movie of making movie making conundrums. Your right. your film is both a massive success and a massive failure at the same time right now. Correct. At this moment now that being said when you're listening to this 6 months from now uh it'll be like, "Well, we know we now know what the reality was and boy, <laughs> future David or future person who's listening to this, I really envy you for knowing <laughs> What the outcome was? I, um, I would I would imagine future David, uh, in his wild success, is going to look back on this and go, "Oh man, that was such a magical time of of creativity and not knowing and and suspense and drama and uh, you know wise people once said that that uncertainty is the spice of life. It is it is truly the magical moment when anything is possible. And yeah, it's scary and exciting. I but think that's you got what, that wrong. That's variety is the spice of life, Jeff. Uh, uncertainty is where eggs are grown in your basket. I'm pretty sure. No, did I not get that? No, uncertain. I know variety is the spice of life, but uncertainty is uh, also good. <laughs> it's the meat it, that you put your spices on. <laughs> okay, it's late, and I, I got my you. brain isn't working. I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, I'm no, uncer- it up. you want you want uncertainty. It's a magic magical thing. And- Alternatively, by the way, future Dave is cursing <laughs> is cursing younger Dave listening to this and saying like, "Why did you ever undertake this quixotic uh, quest, Dave Chen? You've cost me so much time for zero payoff uh, and made a movie that no one will ever see." That's what well, that's what future Dave could also be saying. Listen. I have already seen it, and it touched me and moved me in, in a really deep way. I, I do think that there's nothing like this movie, and that I, I think that's going to give you a massive advantage in in these in the selection process of these festivals. I think they're going to look at this and see a captivating per- personality in in Stephen Tobolowsky, who is. Uh, um, amazing and carries with him such a, as you have said numerous times, such a 
history of Hollywood right there in, within his career and uh, a film that is unique and interesting and it's not going to be like anything else at, at these festivals. And I, I would be surprised if that doesn't um, result in you guys being shown it in many more places than you suspect. We shall see. I mean, uh, it, it did occur to me, Jeffrey, like the, the whole um, idea of going the festival route. Uh, I, I, I do, I am not sure that it is like the right way to go. Um, but it does, it's not, it doesn't preclude you from doing anything else, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, but it just is, it is a very uncertain process, uh, that you can't control. And that is, it has a huge lead time, right? Like, um, in a best case scenario, the first time anyone sees this movie publicly is going to be in like five months from now. Right. That's in a best case scenario, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then, and then from that point, like it's probably another six months until the movie is available to the public, right? Right. Uh, and th- again, that's a best case scenario. So, so I'm wondering if, uh, you know, that, that is something that I've been thinking about is like, would it have been better to just do it, like, just self-release it immediately and start selling the hell out of it myself, you know, and, and so on. Um, but I think, like, festivals offer so much value in terms of uh, sh- showing your film to an audience that would be really receptive to it and networking with a lot of um, people that uh, are interested in your film and interested in you as a, as a filmmaker and a talent and so on. Uh, and it's obvious, and it's also, I'm not going to lie, it's always been a dream of mine to go to a film festival as a director, you know? Yeah, no uh, doubt. Um, so what is, what is the next thing that you would like to do? Would you like to do more documentary films? Would you like to do a narrative film? Would you like to, what, what That, do you I think, is yourself? outside of the scope of our conversation today. Oh, um, you don't want to show your hand, eh? I don't want to show my hand quite yet. I, I, like, I don't want to show my hand until, like, the ideas are, like, better developed. I'm happy to share it in advance. But you do aspire to be a full-time filmmaker who creates films solely. That's that's your one grand life goal. I think uh, I think let's uh, see how the next twelve months goes, Jeff. <laughs> Cagey as ever, Dave Chen. Cagey that's one of the I, I, that's one of the issues. Is that like uh, with this film that I have some some anxiety about? Is like. I'm not clear as to uh, whether it will lead to any more work. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, I don't think people will watch this movie and think, oh my gosh, we have to send David the script for Blah because <laughs> he can do right. it. Do you know what I mean? Although, I'm really excited about the Blah franchise. I know. <laughs> it's an amazing franchise. It does franchise. sound amazing. So I, I say that because I, I, I think to myself, like, okay, that means that, like, I, I do want to make. I, I, I think I do want to make something where people would actually think that. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. you'd watch this thing and think, "Oh my gosh!" Like David did. David Chen did this. He'd be the uh, perfect. He'd be guy. the perfect person to do this. I don't know that uh, they will have that reaction after watching this film. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think it's impossible to have that reaction after watching this film. But well, you, you know what I mean. Step one. It's yeah, that, exactly right. Um, so, well, I, can we just agree on this? <laughs> The Blah franchise is amazing. Yes, Jeff. We already said that. <laughs> I was going to say uh, that when you do get to steps two, three, and four, 
Can you give me a job? Throw, throw me a. Throw me a job. <laughs> All right. Throw me a job. That's. Uh, that's I'll still be toiling away in my uh, relative obscurity and and dreaming of uh, uh, finding uh, finding actors who achieved things later and later and later in life and using them as my role model. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be asking you for some of that Patreon cash, Jeff. <laughs> you want to give a little plug for that? Yeah, we launched a Patreon for a new show. Patreon, Jeff. What's that? Patreon is a crowdfunding service where you you subscribe uh, at very low amounts uh, monthly. Uh, this sounds terrible unless you've actually heard the show. And if you've heard the show, I think you'll find it to be what I consider to be a bright spot in your day. We do a, a very short show, 20 to 25 minutes, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's called We Have Concerns. I do it with Anthony Carboni uh, at wehaveconcerns.com. And it is it – is, uh, a comedy show. It is a philosophy and science show. We basically find interesting things to talk about and then uh, analyze them to death, figure out the existential angst that we can find inside them, and play that for laughs with kind of improvised comedy and hard show to describe, but we people have really loved it. It's currently number eight on the iTunes comedy rankings uh, above, above, this is shocking, above such shows as Comedy Bang Bang and... Uh, and uh, other other really Doug Benson loves movies. It's above that. It's I'm shocked. I don't know how that happened. But I hope people check it out. Uh, you don't have to subscribe to check it out. You can just go to iTunes and download the show, or go to wehaveconcerns.com. Uh, and I am a patron on Patreon.com of that show. Thank you, uh, sir. And I would uh, encourage you guys to check it out. So, uh, all right, Jeff. I think uh, I think we've worked out a lot of stuff tonight. Yeah, and and you have. Committed to giving me a job when you when you make your movies, which is mm, awesome. Not sure that was the takeaway. Not sure that was the takeaway from. That, we have that recorded. Okay, sure we have your words, not mine. Again, uh, yeah, not sure that, that yep. that's what it was, but okay. And I have no doubt that you will uh, you will tr- achieve all of your dreams. Uh, I again have seen the movie and uh, I wept openly while watching it. I'm not ashamed to say. You, you wept for the loss of time that <laughs> you expended <laughs> watching the film. <laughs> no, it's, it's excellent. It's quite good, and I think you're going to find wild success with it, and, and it will be the catapult of your career that you have always hoped for. Well, I think, uh, you know, I, I, I was serious about this, wanting this recording to kind of serve as a, a way to preserve um, this moment your in time. promise to me about future employment i got <laughs> this, it this moment in time in which uh there's still lots of possibilities uh in which we have concerns is still inexplicably well regarded you know <laughs> inexplicably <laughs> in, in which my movie is still somehow thought of as good you know it's yeah. just a unique moment oh, we're, in a, we're, in a, we're in a magical <laughs> fantasy land where where things are kind of feeling good for us so <laughs> exactly. might as well, might as well uh, <laughs> might as well preserve it before yeah. it all goes downhill <laughs> Uh, anyway, so all right. Well, on that positive note, on that positive note, thank you guys. You can find me at DaveChen.net and uh, gotta be launching a YouTube channel soon of my cello playing, which should be pretty fun. Dude, that's people, also really people fun. might think that is a joke when I say that. I'm being completely serious. So um, I have been working on it and uh, look forward to showing it to you guys. And you can find always me. Have, on, go ahead. You always have something to fall back on now, Dave. See, there you the go. Movie doesn't work out cellist you can find me on twitter at dave chensky that's dave chensky thank you for listening we'll see you guys later